0: Kristen whispers sonnets. Join me for a sonnet bedtime treat. Hello! (laughs) I'm in bed, it's Kristen, and I've been working back novel Crow carriage again because I got some of the other projects that I've been doing off my plate um, which is a golden ticket and I've read you guys some poems from that and I love that book it was just such a fun um, just escape and um, I've been also really working hard on the deluxe edition of Puritan U succubus alumnus which the last two podcasts have been about and it was You know, that's a very emotional book. It deals with my um, childhood issues that I had growing up that are very um, triggering, you know, to revisit. But it's an important book, and I got to actually expand it and go into some of my other. more recent issues and kind of show how a survivor, it's, it's not a, a flash in time of what happens to you. You, um, as you evolve and change and grow, you, um, are still haunted a little by those experiences of abuse that you, that you've lived with, even if only in the sense that you try not to, um, emulate it in your own life and things like that. So anyway, I was glad to, um, finish up those projects and people are blurbing them and I'm getting, you know, editing still and stuff like that, but for the most part, the writing of it is all over and I got to concentrate back onto my poetic horror novel, which gets me really excited because I love to do fantasy things that have nothing to do with me because I write a lot about myself because writing is therapy and um, I appreciate people allowing me to do that and probably not driving them too crazy I mean I'm sure it does but uh, but you know thank you for anyway for allowing me to do that but it's so great on books like Flutter and Crow Carriage where I go to a whole different time and to different characters who have lived a completely different kind of life and I can just invent horrors that didn't happen to me and so anyway tonight I should stop all this talking and read you a poem because I have four poems to read from a brand new section of Crow carriage that is going to involve me, um, using my horrible French accent. Um, I took four years of French in high school and a year in college and I'm terrible at French, but, um, uh, anyway, um, the the, first section's called Bibliothèque de Corbeau and it means a Crow library and, um, it is about the, the library in the doctor's house, which the um, young uh, mistress of malice stumbles upon after having her first dinner with him, and she can't go to sleep. She can't doesn't want to go to her room because she hears all these crying, tortured girls in the house. Because that's what this doctor does is, you know, has he has a beautiful estate but um, has a very dark secret that there's an experiment going on of young girls upstairs. And if you stay there, you have to just, you know, be complicit in that. And if you think that perhaps this is a little bit relevant in our current times to the Jeffrey Epstein case and people coming there, this was definitely inspired by that. I started thinking about a lot about the lifestyle of Jeffrey Epstein and the women that were around that were um, accomplices and just other people who, shared his lifestyle and obviously were exposed to criminal activity and did nothing. So anyway, <laughs> that um, gives you a little insight too on my inspiration. But I'm going to read you a first poem from that. Let me find it, get my computer up here. Oh no, that's a poem. It's about, that was a poem I wrote tonight. I was about to read to you that was, I wrote a, a sonnet for about Super Mario for, um, the Daily Drunk magazine, and that was a lot of fun, but wrong poem. <laughs> Bibliotheque de Corbeau. Excuse from his table, infused with new guilt. Wonder to bed. Blush, beckoning, quilt. Bypass bedchamber. Berserk by the slough, Captive cries you cannot misconstrue, Lilts into less recognizable sounds, As you peruse permitted First floor of grounds, Crow-carved double doors Found in the hall, Half silhouette of oak, Bird you withdraw, Then bound inside, Eyes wide below, Two stories books, rosewood shelves follow, engraved murder stacks and bindings you delve hours before you look at what else summons black smoke, candle wax, pirouetting phantasm over a desk of volumes arms point to in arabesque. So, at this point, while the um, young girl has wandered into the library to try to, because um, she is an accomplice at this point, she has brought some of the girls to this mansion, in fact, offered them to this doctor for his experiment in exchange for... Um, basically a more comfortable lifestyle and she um what herself was abused and she's only a child herself and and when I say she was abused she has had a terrible life and it's well documented in the book but it's no excuse for what she does and anyway when when she's having this her dinner she's come to this house and she's ready for her rewards, but all around her are things that make her feel guilty because she can hear people crying. Um, they're being given laudanum, and they have nightmares, and she has to hear it, and he's just telling her to ignore it. But, you know, it's, it's all around, and in this library, she didn't hear it as much, but then when she goes inside, a figure appears. And it points her to some books. And I'm going to read you another poem from it because we get more into this character that has appeared and who she is and what that is about. Fifteen Flames. This is where souls at night who fell into slumber out of sight, one who would drink a bottle left close at hand before two scientists understand. How far they sink, these subjects fare. In applique chemise, perpetual nightmares. One might make five steps, laudanum limbs, towards bottled seas, to bring about an end. Will not regret, though she could not know. Skeleton only goes. Leaves a soul she is obliged to hide. Inside a boiler beeswax, one wick applied every year before she died, dividing dances into fifteen flames, library candlestick of him to blame." So (laughs) the story of the girl who appears, she appears in the smoke of the candles, and the way that this has happened is that when she died because she ingested she they had made a mistake the doctor back in an uncharacteristic mistake because he's usually very um, scientific about how he does his experiment but he someone maybe the maid we don't know left a bottle of laudanum too close to the girls who are having the nightmares and this one child who was so tired of having these nightmares drank the whole bottle to kill herself and because of that you know her she didn't realize okay her body will escape but she is still um there like her soul will still be there and it it, and it goes hunting for something to hide inside because it's her soul is very afraid because you know she did not expect to still be in this house where she's been, um, tortured essentially. So she, um, looks around and there's a boiler of beeswax going that they're going to be making candles with. And she hides her soul in the beeswax. Well, um, her soul is distributed among 15 candles that represent one year of her life. And every time, and that's the extent of, Um, time that she will be allowed to be haunting in the house and and her haunting she wants to make some good of she wants to stop what's going on in this house so that's why um, she does a lot to get this young girl's attention when she does come into the library with some of her light you know that she uses that to draw the girl to the desk and show her the books so I'm going to read you another okay siren of smoke at library table button back chair scoot close to examine the volumes laid there one illuminated by her flare in midair siren of smoke who glissades somewhere abandons candlestick forfeits the flame First home opens wide, pictures explain, specters diagrammed, recorded peculiarities, ghosts have strictures a host of species, notation by one with dripping red lips, mother it says below lunar eclipse, spells some have done for selective mortality, for eyes that water, mouths that feed, at which cho- you choke, consequence of enlightenment is smoke. And I, that poem I wrote with the idea, you know, back at, at, during this time in Victorian times, you know, all light would be um, candles or, um, you know, burning light, you know, light that puts off some kind of smoke. And so um, I like that idea that enlightenment could make you choke. But also in this situation, I feel like the girl who is helping, and uh, the, we now know her name, the Siren of Smoke, that she wants to help and she wants um, this girl to realize, you know, she's got to change the team that she's on. She's got to become a, uh, not an accomplice, but a opponent of the doctor. But she also, I you know, has some anger. I mean, she has actually suffered in this house, and she knows that this girl, you know, who is there, and, and, and maybe now will be good, but has had some part, you know? She's, she's not up in the room with the others. She's wandering the house freely like a guest, and she can certainly hear the crying. So, I felt like she would have anger, too, and that um, part of, you know, like, the fact that she was made of smoke and her um, ghost, that she, that she, while she's enlightening the girl, she also might be using any kind of thing that she has left, any kind of physicality, to maybe punish her a little bit, too, like odor or um, the, just the smoke in the air um, irritating her, and so, she's a presence of education, but she's also a presence of a little vengeance. And definitely the Mistress of Malice, uh, deserves some of that because she, um, though a child was beginning to perpetuate the cycle of of abuse that she had been, um, you know, a victim of. And to me, like, that's so important to me in my life that I never do that. I, you know, I never want to be part of somebody being abused I mean that's to me that's the worst thing that you can do and the best thing that you can do if you've been abused is to become the opposite of the people who hurt you you know is to you know not let them define your life and so I had a lot of these ideas in my head when I was writing this book and I liked the idea of exploring that in a horror setting where you see somebody make a mistake and when I first started writing this book, I honestly thought The Mistress of Malice might, you know, end as a bad character. Um, but as it's gone on, and a lot of the poems are published, and you can kind of tell that she's gone through some changes, some very big physical changes that also manifest what's going on internally with her, um, that she really has changed so much that you see it in her physicality and so okay I'm going to read you one more poem and let me find that and this is kind of a sad one again because this is a sad character that we've introduced but she's using her light for good and to hopefully bring about an end to this terrible experiment that's been going on at Willoughby Manor and this is called Phantasmia Haunted by mere molecules, stifling air, smoldering scent, September fair a pile of leaves someone made to burn, amidst rare volumes, lessons unlearned, candlestick child once kept upstairs, in bell sleeves, liquefied pink nightmares. Lit by a taper she one day will be, To waft here alongside a tragedy. Incandescent only, so very few nights, With so many truths to bring to light. Bright black beeswax she could conserve, Her flames finite as answers, proof undeserved. How could any subject trust an accomplice, to this experiment, light for a life, you could choke on its scent. And again, you know, that's, um, you feel some of the anger of the Siren of Smoke towards the Mistress of Malice. Because, you know, these are two different characters in that, I mean, who knows, you know, as any person ages and, and moves on, you always life is a, a situation of, you know, every day is a whole new set of choices, and they kind of determine who you're going to be. And at one point, both of these girls were victims, uh, you know, very, you know, very tragic figures. But at a point in the Mistress of Malice's life, she was starting to choose to become a cold-hearted accomplice. Um, and so you know there's a difference between them and definitely the siren of smoke sees that feels it and uh just says you know like you know i i you know you deserve to choke on on some of the memory of me because you know i i died because of an experiment you turned a blind eye to and then even did further you brought people into but as the story goes on like I said this is earlier in the story this is a a new section that I wrote to kind of um, add some um, more depth into certain areas of the book and I'm already writing the ending really right now and I mean, it. The Mistress of Malice becomes a character called the Feathered Girl, because she changes into a bird form and she is unrecognizable of anything that we have seen of her before. And at first, she's a horror to herself because she's so changed; she doesn't even feel human. But she embraces that because. I think ultimately she realizes it's kind of a sacrifice that she's made for some of the terrible actions that she's done and she decides to use the horrific things about her to bring about um, justice and to, to be a, a character that protects others so it's a wonderful journey this book and um, I I'm going to be working on it for a while. I still, I only have a few weeks more of poems left to write, but I have months of footnotes to write, and I'm so excited to um, embrace that process because that's, like, truly, like, where you feel like I'm writing, you know, prose and novel writing because that's the novel of this book is told in the footnotes, but they're long footnotes, and the sonnets kind of when I write like this, it feels like I make the map, almost like the sonnets are the outline of the novel, and then I go and fill in the story. But the sonnets all are there, like they serve, you know, to tell a little, um, you know, capture a little piece or a. a, a <laughs> I'm now I'm so tongue twisted tonight. It's so horrible. I feel so embarrassed. <laughs> the a compressed version of the story and um and then you can read the footnote and um hopefully the prose exp- expands on on that and I enjoy doing that very much I, that's my idea I, I mean, I've written a somewhat more traditional form of a novel uh, I don't know if it was any good but I um really feel confident doing novels this way and I really like it and I like that it uses both sides of my brain about writing poetry and prose. But anyway, it is very late and I am very tired and I've been talking my mouth off fast and probably too fast tonight, my computer just shut down. I'm having all kinds of um, technical difficulties tonight talking to you guys, So it's going to sound extra disorganized. But anyway, I've really enjoyed it, and I want you to grab something like my unicorn and cuddle it and have a good night's sleep because we will be back with Kristen Whispers Sonnets next week. And I am so happy to be able to do that again. So good night.